0: might be helpful this morning to turn with me to Luke's gospel as we return uh, back to Luke's gospel. We know last time, uh, before Christmas, we we looked at the the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus teaches us how to pray and how we ought to pray. And as we jump into verse 14 again, as is Jesus' pattern, the crowds have been following him and Jesus does something amazing. In verse 14, the people are amazed or they marvel at Jesus. And we've seen this before. Jesus has taught with such great authority that the people are amazed. Jesus has been healing people and the people have been in awe. Constantly, the people have been marveling at Jesus. And he gathers this crowd around. And again, as they marvel at Jesus, what will they do? Will they decide to follow Jesus as like fans, Just to see what he's going to do next? Or are they going to follow Jesus in in faith? Because as Jesus has this mute man before him who has a demon and the demon's cast out and the, the man speaks. this people in the crowd are saying, what they're saying? Well, Jesus, you're doing some sort of black magic here. You, you, you're of the devil. You're working for a here. You're, you're not of God, but you're of, of Satan. And we don't know in Luke who these people are. But in Matthew and Mark, these people are, who do you think they might be in the crowd? They're the religious leaders. Surprise, surprise. They're tarnishing Jesus' name. And they're putting doubts into the people's heads, if you like. This Jesus fella, he, he, he seems to be doing good, but you know, he's really of the devil. See, the religious leaders, as they follow Jesus about in their unbelief, they show themselves to be blind, don't they? They are blinded to the reality of who Jesus is. They don't want to see the light and they don't want others to see the light. They're blinded and they want to stay in the darkness. But what we learn is that that it is Jesus, that he is the one who defeats darkness and brings light. And this is what Jesus is going to show them that he is not of darkness, but he defeats darkness. That he is not one that stays in the darkness. But rather, he is the one who is the light and brings the light. The religious leaders and Pharisees, they get a hard time over the next few chapters. As they ramp up their pressure on Jesus, Jesus exposes them more and more and more. So in the the last part of Luke 11, you'll see there, there's woes to the Pharisees and lawyers. In the beginning of chapter 12 that we look at next week, Jesus warns the people that of the leaven of the Pharisees. That they're infecting everyone and everywhere. That Jesus will tackle them at, at banquets uh, and so on. Because Jesus knows that these people. They question if he's of the devil. Or of God. They say he's of the devil. And Jesus knows that they are blind. And even today, as we gather Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, there are some of us who who marvel at these things about Jesus. We we think they're really cool and amazing things. But we're in darkness. We do not believe that there are other reasons that Jesus does these things or says these things. But here, that is you and you're, you're not following Jesus in faith, but maybe as a fan, or as a, a nice thing to do, you're in darkness. And you need to see the reality of this light. That it is Jesus who brings victory and brings light. So as the people, these religious leaders say to Jesus, you're of the devil, and tries to get the people to think that too. Other people in verse 16 want another sign that Jesus is God. But Jesus says, it's time for you to make up your mind. You know, do you really think I'm of Satan in verse 18? You know, is Satan going to be against himself? No, if Jesus is casting out demons, Jesus is saying, well, I can't be working with Satan. If I'm working with Satan, it's like a civil war. What do civil wars do? They, they divide nations, don't they? they? They cause chaos in everything, whether it be food or families. Or even within families, Jesus gives an example. If there's a split within the family, it wreaks havoc, doesn't it? Jesus says, no, I'm not of the devil. You need to make up your mind. I'm either like that, that you say of the devil, or in verse 20, it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons and the kingdom of God is here. And I am the one that you need to listen to, not the people in the crowd. Two things this morning, as we think about Jesus as the one who overcomes darkness and brings the light. First thing is this, know the strength of Jesus. Know the strength of Jesus. I think many of us will be familiar with the the world's strongest man, or at least the, the competitions, aren't we? Sometimes it's even on TV, isn't it, in British Eurosports. The the men get together, they might be the the strongest man in their village or their country, and they they come together, but before the competition starts, any one of them might be able to say, well, I'm the world's strongest man. But then when they go to the competition, they might soon discover that they're not the strongest man, and they'll be lifting boulders and all kinds of things, and then finally, there's someone who is the strongest And the way that we know that they are the strongest is because of the competition, where they have to compare, don't they? How well person X did against person Y. They compare. And if we want to know the strength of Jesus, we have to compare the strength of Jesus. And to do that, we need to look at the strength of Satan. (laughs) Satan's strength in verse 21 and 22 To know how strong Jesus is, we need to know how strong Satan is. We need to know Satan's strength. Now, the devil or Satan is not really something that we talk about often from the pulpit, is it? We have a picture of the serpent in Genesis 3, perhaps in our head. Or maybe you're more childless and you've got the cartoon character with horns on. uh, Thinking about the devil or Satan. But it's easy to downplay it's really serious. As Jesus is real, as God is real, so is the devil. Ephesians 6, Paul says that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the, the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the, the, the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That our life is not just our physical bodies, but there's a spiritual aspect. To how we live in our world. So in Luke's gospel. We have seen the devil at work. He tempted Jesus. In the wilderness. But we have encountered demons haven't we? Even in this chapter. We have encountered demons. And what are demons? Well they are real and they are active. They are of the devil. They impact people. So think back to, to Luke chapter 8. The, the man. And the, he has a demon. And the demons go into the pigs. What happens to the pigs? They're destroyed. Why? Because demons want to destroy life. And that man's life had been impacted for many years, but so were the people around him. Do you remember they were he was chained up, he was a manic, and the people were terrified of him. But Jesus is able to rule over. And as Jesus tells us about Satan, he describes to us which is really, really helpful. He tells us a little a bit about Jesus or about Satan. He gives us a picture of what Satan is like. So, verse 21, he is a strong man, fully armed, with his own palace. See, it's a, it's a fearful picture of his own house, own mansion. That the, the, the Satan is strong, that he is powerful. No, know, he's proven himself to be powerful, hasn't he? Let's begin with Adam and Eve in the garden. He used his words and convinced Adam and Eve to, to sin against God. He has proven his strength with the, the many souls that have been lost. That the, the realm of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, is real. He is a strong man and he is fully armed. He's armed. He's supplied with, arm, arm, uh, with armor and the weapons to attack us. And he has all the tricks in play. Satan knows exactly how to take advantage of all people. He knows exactly where your weakness is, and that's where he's going to put the pressure on. He knows where you're weak. He knows where his strengths lie, and he's going to try and take advantage of you, to attack you, to bring you down. Maybe you think the world is just physical and that's it. Well, Satan will happily let you believe that and keep you in the darkness. He will tell you over and over again, well, physical world, that's all there is. There's no spiritual realm to worry about. He's a strong man, fully armed, and he has a palace. Satan has a kingdom. Colossians calls it the kingdom of darkness. And as Satan sits in this palace here, as Jesus talks about uh, Satan, he reigns. And where is his kingdom? Where is Satan's throne? It's in the hearts of people. That is where Satan rules from. That is where he reigns. Where he governs inward man. And you can sit and say, well, David, I don't worship Satan. I'm not part of the occult. I'm not into any of things like that. And that's great. But he can still reign in your heart, even if you don't do that. Move we'll back to think about that. Let's not take this lightly. This is all very serious. We are not we shouldn't be blinded to these spiritual things. And if we are blinded, if we have no dread of hell or death, or even of our very souls, be warned. We must not joke about the devil. But take seriously what Jesus says. Because in verse 23, Jesus tells us that nothing is neutral. He ever is not with me is against me. He ever does not gather with me scatters. In other words, Jesus says there is nothing that we encounter in life. There are no people. There are no conversations. There's nothing that we engage with with our eyes or with our minds that are neutral. How we engage means that we're either for Jesus or against Jesus. You know, there's many good things that we love and we enjoy, but they become bad things when they become god-like things. We say to ourselves and to our children, it'll not do them much harm. That gives the impression it's neutral. Nothing is neutral. And what how we what we watch and our own TV programs. Yeah, we might enjoy them, but what impact is that doing to our hearts? Is that hardening them? Isn't it making more us susceptible to the, the ways of this world? The conversations that we have with friends. You know, they can be really good, can't they? Even if we are a Christian, but they can also be really bad as we give off about somebody. As we stir up anger in our hearts, as we judge others, as we gossip. That's not neutral. That's against Jesus. And how we engage with other people. And how we love. Are we for Jesus or against Jesus. That there is nothing neutral. And if we're followers of Jesus today. There's nothing more dangerous than this. Thinking that something will do us no harm. Because that will lead us to being lukewarm. As John describes in Revelation. Trying to offend no one trying to to keep both sides happy. We're half-hearted and we think we're neutral. But Jesus says, you're either with me or against me. We need to serve with all of our hearts because the reality of the devil is that he's a strong man, fully armed in his palace. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to think nothing will do us no harm. He wants us to think the spiritual realm isn't real. He wants us to be half-hearted in our service so we don't take him seriously and don't take Jesus seriously. That's the reality. And he is strong. And he will convince many people of that. But he's not the strongest, is he? Verse 22, Jesus talks about this, this man that's in his house, the devil, but then somebody stronger comes in and overcomes the man in the house, overcomes the devil, and that is Jesus. There's only one side of victory. We cannot be on both sides. Both sides will not win, so Jesus makes this exclusive claim. If we're with him, there is victory. He is the only way, or against him, we will be defeated, and there's only one strong enough to win. And it's not our willpower, but the will of God in Jesus. See, do you see that there's no middle ground here? There is warfare over your very soul. And the only way to God's kingdom is Jesus. So, be claimed by Jesus. Be cleaned by Jesus. Verses 24 to 26 can seem complicated, but Jesus gives a warning to those who have been changed by him for a little while, but do not continue. So think of the, the man who I mentioned earlier, the demon-possessed man who the demons went out into the pigs. What happens to that man is that he falls at the feet of Jesus and he listens to what Jesus has to say. He is transformed. He is a heart transformation. What Jesus says, well, that's the right response. That's the right thing to do. But imagine with me, he didn't fall at Jesus' feet and he didn't listen to Jesus' voice. What Jesus said would happen is that he had returned to his old way of life and eventually it would appear that demons would come back to him. Now you might seem to have things okay on the outside, but inside he wasn't changed. And Jesus warns us about this. Jesus tells us that the Christian life is not lived in our outward displays of following him, of good works, of religion, of church attendance, but it has to be an experienced inward reality. See, following Jesus means that not just our morality is improved, but that there's an indwelling spirit. Not just a new way of how we live life, but a new life inwardly. And Jesus says, this is dangerous. As dangerous as worshipping Satan as part of the occult, this is dangerous. For many people deceive themselves. Many people flatter themselves because they no longer do the things they used to. They are good, decent people. You might keep the Sabbath. You might give to the poor. You might be good living. And so you dream you're a Christian and you'll be okay Jesus says, No, you're not. Just because your outward reality is lived like that, Jesus says, What about your inward heart? Do you trust me? So, the extreme example Jesus gives is that a man has been changed from evil, being cast out of a demon, but he's changed into a new kind of evil, a decent person. But not saved, and Jesus says that's just as bad. In fact, that's worse. How are we followers of Jesus? So we need to make up our minds here, don't we? Are we just going to live on the outside, fooling ourselves and the people around us, or are we going to be claimed permanently by Christ in our hearts? That is not just an outward appearance but that we are inhabited by God's Spirit and that we know the strength of Jesus in our hearts and that we find victory in him. Know the strength of Jesus. And then secondly, know the light of Jesus. Know the light of Jesus. We've thought about this a little bit there, didn't we, about about lights. But in verse 27, 28, Jesus has been teaching these things, and woman in the crowd says, blessed be your mum, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 forget about my mum. He says in verse 28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So if we want to know the light of Jesus, we need to know the blessing of his word. The blessing of his word. God's word is good for us. It's full of all kinds of wisdom and expertise. It's a it's a guide, it's a, it's a light. In Psalm 119, it's a, a lamp for our feet, a light onto our path. We know all these verses about God's word being the light. We know Jesus is described as the light of the world. We know all of this, but do we keep it? Do we know it? Jesus in the Beatitudes, he, he says, Blessed are the, you know, the, those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And here Jesus says, "Oh, it's another blessing. It's a blessing to those who keep God's words. That we are blessed as we look at God's word, as we understand God's words, and we need to adhere to that, don't we?" Here we have the pages before us, but they mean nothing to some of us. See the people in Jesus' generation—they had the Old Testament, they had the light of God's word before them, but Jesus describes them as a wicked generation. Why? Because they did not keep God's word. They added to it. They took it away. They looked for more. Jesus says, we need to know the blessing of his light. And as the people cried out that this man's working of the devil, other people said, Jesus, prove with a sign that you're the son of God or you're from God. Jesus says to them, look, there's only one sign that your generation is going to get. There's only one sign our generation will get as we have God's words. And it's the sign of repentance or the sign of Jonah. Jesus says to them, do you remember Jonah? And of course, we all remember Jonah, don't we? The man told to go to Nineveh. A wicked people who were living their own way were told to repent or that they would be be punished. But Jonah, instead of going to Nineveh, goes the other way. He is thrown into the sea and he's swallowed up by a fish and he's spat out. He goes to Nineveh. The wicked people hear the message of repentance. They repent, trust in God, and they're saved. And as Jonah was in the belly for three days and three nights, Jesus says there's a greater miracle to come. And it's me. (laughs) Where I will be buried into the depths for, for three days I'll be dead and buried in the earth. But then, just as the whale's tummy is empty, so will my tomb. And there's the sign of resurrection, a sign for us that because the tomb is empty, God's word is true. That is the sign that we need. A sign that we need to turn from our sin and onto Jesus. That God's word is true. That Jesus, because he rose again and has new life, in Jesus, as we repent, we too will have this new life. And Jesus says to him, this is what's going to happen. You need to believe it. Because you think you're decent people. You think you're, you're living the, the God's way and that will get you into heaven. And Jesus says, you know what? You know those wicked people in Nineveh? even though they did all those horrible things that you have never done, even those wicked people in Nineveh, because they repented and trusted in me, on the day of judgment, they'll be standing and rejoicing and you'll be punished. Because they repented and you have not. He says that the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon to, to ask for advice and she, she's going to stand on the day of judgment rejoicing. And Jesus says, here I am before you, one greater than Solomon, and you're not going to listen to my words. You're not going to know the blessing of my words. And same for us. We might say we live in a wicked generation. You might say, well, I am decent. I am not like my wicked generation. But those who repent and turn will stand. Those who don't will not stand. So as Jesus calls them to to look at this sign of of resurrection, to to trust in him, to to repent, we need to to know the light of Jesus because we need to have a spiritual vision of him, don't we? A spiritual vision. We have the light. We have God's word sitting on our laps or in the pew in front of us, in our hands. We know parts of it in our heads. We know memory verses. We know the gospel And it's a great sin to know the gospel, to have the light, but walk in the darkness. We need a spiritual vision of Jesus. Nothing is neutral. We will take in the world that is darkness. Or if we take in the light of Jesus, all of life is illuminated. That we are able to walk in the light and that we want others to see that light too. Verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. So what we, comes into our eyes. Is going through our bodies. So if we have darkness. If we don't have Jesus. Our bodies are going to be dark. But we have the blessing of God's word. If we have Jesus as our light. Our whole body. Is good. Is healthy. Is what Jesus says. Don't we know, need to know that the strength of Jesus? Don't we need to know that he, he, His light, that we are His, that we are not just changing our behaviors, but constantly, persistently, and powerfully, that we are being renewed under the influence of God's Spirit? So as we come again, as the crowds did. To see Jesus do amazing and marvellous things. As we do it again today on Sunday. The resurrection Sunday. We remember week after week. Jesus conquering the grave. Do you know the strength. And the light of Jesus. Because that's the crowds have to make a decision. Is Jesus of the devil. Or is he of God. No in between. And it's the same for us this morning as well. Because offered to us, in the light of God's word, is not how to live your best life. It's not good living tips. But it's grace leading to transformation. For Satan is real. He is at work. He will try to keep us in darkness. But Christ rose again so that we can know with all certainty he is stronger. That Satan is defeated. And as we turn to Jesus... And walk in his light. We know. That we'll no longer be. In the kingdom of darkness. But in the kingdom of light.